there's a level of self-awareness that men need to have in order to recognize that they're not where they want to be and have some kind of a vision moving forward. There's a gap there. I used to call it like gap coaching. You recognize where you are, you see where you want to go, or you think you know where you want to go, and you need a bridge to cover that gap. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Scott. Of course, you know that if you've been listening. But uh, before we get started, I wanted to let you all know that I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break. If you've noticed, we've missed a few weeks of episodes, and I really apologize for that. We actually had a guest come on who (laughs) we recorded the whole thing, and there was a technical issue on his side, and we didn't get his audio. So that was a good one. We'll revisit with that guest on the next season of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. So this is will be the last episode for a bit, but here's what I want you to understand is, is that this is a season break. It is not the ending, it's a season break. And I've done this before. I need some time to focus on my business, my family, buying a house, doing some things that are, are kind of breaking into my, my bandwidth. And so for me, it's incredibly important to uh, just be straightforward and honest with you and let you know kind of what's going on. And with that, today we have David Wells. And I met David through, I actually presented in a group. And then I think they made that, I'll I'll ask him for clarity, but they made that into a podcast with the Apogee program. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about the Apogee program because I think it's a really good place to to plug in for you guys uh, maybe during the lapse of of this podcast and uh, with it as well. But uh so uh, David Wells is here with me. He has been married for 29 years. And I'll tell you what, that brings a lot of weight in my world. And so we're going to talk a lot about marriage, about raising kids, about kids getting older, and uh, really what it makes means to be a man that provides for your family and uh, goes to the next step. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's exciting. And for the yeah, the the clarity of how I found you was, I think it was back in either August or September, right before my 13-year-old joined the the Young Men's Apogee program. You were a, a guest because they have weekly mentor calls, and Matt Baudreaux had brought you in to speak into the young men. Yeah. And I was going back and listening to because those are released as podcasts afterwards. It's a two-hour window for them, one hour with the mentor, and then a one-hour debrief afterwards. But the first hour with the mentor, which was you in this case, is released as a podcast on the Essential 11, this this, this Matt's podcast. And I was going back and re-listening to some of those previous podcasts because, let's be honest, the young men get A-quality mentors to come in and speaking to them, but it's if men can't learn from what is being important to the young men, then there's something wrong with them. So I get just as much out of those weekly mentor calls for the young men as the young men do. So as I like to do, once I listen to a podcast that really resonates with me and yours 100% did, I just sent you a message and a DM on Instagram and just told you how much I appreciated you pouring into them and and listen out some some things that, that resonate me 
resonated with me during that podcast. That's right. I remember that message. And I'll tell you what, that hour I spent with those boys, there must have been, I don't know, maybe eight, eight to 10 of them, maybe they were on there. Mm -hmm. And, and Matt was kind of guiding me through the conversation, asked me questions, but then they, he gave them the opportunity to ask questions. And he told me beforehand, he said, Hey, Scott, like, just, so you know, the kids ask better questions to the guests than the adults. I was like, eh, we'll see. Holy moly, I was blown away. These boys were incredibly articulate, incredibly well-spoken, passionate, and they would they would come and say, hey, you said this, 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 and this, this is why it really resonated with me. And then they'd do a follow-up question. They'd been taught so well on how to interact with someone and pull information out of someone. It was what it was one of those experiences where I was kind of like, this is unreal. This is seriously unreal the way that these boys are operating. And these are boys who, um, most of them are homeschooled or private schooled, I believe. That's, and, that's right. Yep. Yeah. And really, um, boy, you know, leadership is part of the deal. And it, it was, it was obvious that they'd had a lot of leadership training. So anyway, that was a really cool experience. So thank you so much for reaching out. Just, uh, as a recap, do you mind sharing some of the, you know, some of the points that kind of resonated with you? Cause I think it'd be a really good starting point for conversations. And if you're not comfortable with that, it's fine, but let's talk about the things that you care about. Well, for me is when my core values is just family. And we did a, a little uh, scenario recently where we were given top and for me, it's, it really is you know, my faith and my family. Those are the two main points of value in, in my life for sure. Okay, we we broke up a little bit there. So faith, huh. your faith first, and then your family, and yes. that spoke to you. How long have you? Yeah. How long have you kind of had that in place? When do you feel like that was really became a point where you started actually living by your faith and then your family? So it was probably twelve years ago, and this is for me, like my journey my masculine journey, turning away from, uh, let's say, just being a mama's boy and living as a, as a passive man mm. uh, and turning into what what it means to be a man was 12, 13 years ago when a mentor of mine gave me the book Wild at Heart. And working through that book started to awaken the masculine side of me that I, that really had not been tapped into before. Did you have a father figure in the home? I did. I had a, my mom and dad, let's say, I don't honestly know how long they were married, but they remained married until my mom passed when she was 47. So they were married 27 years or 28 years because they were probably married at, she was 19. So that's easy math. Both of them had trauma in their past. And my dad's dad was a, was an alcoholic and there was, there was physical abuse in the house. And so for him, it was, I'm going to do everything to avoid conflict and just keep everything just at this status quo, not rock a boat in any direction, keep uh, an even keel at all costs. And my mom wore the pants in the family. That's that's really where my story starts is 
you know, come realizing that like 12 years ago and, and, and starting to work through that, you know, that part of my childhood and, and into, you know, early adulthood. Why do you think that was the case? I mean, there, there could be a time in my early marriage where I was so engrossed in business that my wife kind of took the keel of the the household, right? Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know that she wore the pants, but she was definitely making decisions because I was making decisions elsewhere and not very present. Do you have any idea why that was the case in that, in, in your home? For my, for, for my dad or for, yeah. for me? For your dad. For my dad. I don't think it was modeled for, it, because his dad was such an authoritarian figure. He wanted to go in the polar opposite direction of that. And in doing so, just really didn't uh, influence my brother or me. It didn't really model what what I understand now to be what a, a good man is. Yeah, you know, I was I was having a conversation with uh, someone the other day, and it going back to to Genesis three, and we were having a discussion like, is passivity man's first sin? You know, if if Adam was given all the direction prior to Eve coming onto the scene, which included not eating the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, and then idly, passively standing by to watch her take that bite and then give it to him. Like, passivity is like literally almost as old as man. Yeah, that I... I think I've had this conversation before, but that is a a really great insight. You said something a little earlier about, you know, your dad doing the opposite of what his dad did. And mm-hmm. having been talking to a lot of men for years, I've heard that so much. Like I ask, how do you how are you framing what it's what what it makes a good father? And the answer so frequently is I'm I'm doing the opposite of everything my dad did. And it's kind of like these uh, it's a it's a setup for these drastic swings from one extreme to the other, and neither of them work. Where really the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, or or right or left of that center, right? And I'm not talking politics, right or left. I'm talking about just that. Right. Um, and so, did you you the the change you just said is a book, but the book was given to you by a mentor. Where was, where did you find this mentor? This is a question so many people ask, so many men ask, you know, they reach out to me uh, and say, hey, I need somebody in my life to help guide me through my family, through my relationship with my kids, through my business, all those things. And people are just, the guys are just striving for mentors, but they don't know how to find them. Where did you find your mentor? How would, how was that relationship built? So for a long time, I was literally praying for a mentor to come into my life. The crazy thing is it wasn't until after that season was over that I realized what was actually happening. I've had two or three very strong mentors. Nick, the guy who gave me the water heart book being one of them and Nick and I are the same age. He was just a little bit further on his spiritual journey than I was. Mm -hmm. And and because his wife and my wife were friends, we started just doing stuff together. And he's just one of those guys. He's going to share what he knows. And if and I believe if a man is receptive, 
then and and if your ego doesn't get in the way, then you're able to actually listen to someone to what they, especially if someone's willing to share. Then if someone's willing to share with me, then I feel like it's my obligation to at least listen because I'm going to I'm going to do my best to learn something from everyone that I come in contact with. And in this case, he had a lot to share. And he had been out to Colorado and done the Wild at Heart boot camp and had bought the the at-home version and was and put on this boot camp weekend at his father-in-law's, you know, I think his father-in-law had like a thousand acres with this mm. lodge. So it was it was an ideal setup for this type of situation. And there were probably, you know, 12 of us guys that were experiencing this weekend. And that was really the the kickoff to me maturing as a man. Up until this point, my dad loved me. He provided for me, but he was the nice guy. And that was, you know, my, my dad really didn't know how to set boundaries. He was the one that people would come to to do things for them. And so that's what was my life. And, and I still, I mean, I still like doing things for people. But he did it, I believe, not out of a good space. He did it because he maybe wanted to please people. I'm not exactly sure what most. My, my dad passed in 2004. There's a lot of conversations that I would like to have with him that I will one day. But right now, I just, he is on that the far extreme from his dad. And to your point, I'm trying to come back to, it may not be center, but it's closer to what I believe, I think, what, you know, masculinity should be. Yeah, that's the, that, that's the next question I wanted to ask as you were talking. You know, there's nothing wrong with being really nice and helping people. And, you know, but there, there's more, more of it wraps around the, the, sounds like lack of leadership, lack of decision, lack of holding people accountable for their things. So how do you define, and, and this can be a long answer because it's, it's, it's loaded. How do you define masculinity and the role, what you see as the role as the father and the husband in the house? Well, a man is, is a leader. He, he leads his family. And, and I like the definition of leaders go first. So if, Whatever I expect of my family as far as serving one another, if I'm not modeling that in, in the first one out of the gate to do that, then then I'm not leading and I'm not stepping into the role of husband and father that I'm called to do. That's the part when it comes to, like my dad, he didn't hold us accountable. Like that's part of the leadership that, that he lacked he would rather just do it himself than put up a, the fight, whether it's with my brother or me or my mom, either one. He would just rather do it himself and call it done than set a standard and have us uphold the standard that he set. So for me, I'm setting the standard in my house by actually doing it first. And then from there, the standard is set and I can say, look, this is what's expected and this is where you're falling short. But the same thing goes for my kids. 
they have no, you know, they have been given permission to call me out if I'm not holding my own standard and my wife the same way, especially my wife, you know, 29 years. And that didn't happen overnight. And there's a, a lot of her having to put up with this, you know, passive man for, you know, more than half of our marriage and trying to make up for, you know, my shortcomings. So it's, and and that takes time too. Like when, when you, the transition from that passive man into a man with standards and trying to live by a code, like there's, there's a transition period there that your wife's not used to. Yeah. I'm not saying that she doesn't want it, but there's a, but that means that she's taking on a different role or her role is changing. That was the next question I was going to ask or inquiry. I was going to ask a lot of, a lot of guys I talk to, they go through, um, you know, a program like an Apogee program or, um, a coaching program for fathers. And they're like, everything was going so well. And then it did, wasn't. And they're shocked because to them, they're doing all of these changes that are so incredibly important. Yeah. And the wife at first, and I'd be curious if you went through this, the wife first were like, wow, this is awesome. Like, this is crazy. This is a new man. But then a little later in, they're like, mm, I'm not sure about this. And then there's like almost a little chaos or uh, quite a bit of friction before it smooths out again. Did you go through that kind of process with your wife? Absolutely, we did. And for us, it got, it was around that time, or might even been a little later. So the families that we are closest to us, some families have a, have like a word, like a mantra for the, for their house. You know, like one family, my best friend, his intentionality is their family word. Like our family word is communication. So like we place that as far as hierarchy and, and values within our house under family, communication is huge for us. But during that transition period, there was a time when my wife and I could literally only communicate via text. Like we couldn't have a verbal conversation without one of us getting defensive or irritated or, I mean, you name it. It was, and, and looking back to our credit, we realized like you have to communicate with someone. You can't just cut off all communications or, or the marriage dies. And I was, this has been so long ago, I was really late coming into the text, texting game. Mm -hmm. But this is what really brought me into it was because I'm like, I have to, whether it's scheduling or, you know, whatever the case may be, whether it's groceries on the way home, like I have to have a way to communicate with Caroline, but I can't have it escalate into a full-blown argument like it, because, I mean, this was... I mean, 50% of our conversations, verbal conversations. And it was just a, it was a hard season. It really was. It's, uh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> and, and I think it's just like anything, when you really want to fix something, there's going to be a lot of friction up front. You, anytime you change, you know, I mean, you can go as simple as fitness. You're going to get sore a lot. You're going to hate the work a lot. But the further you go into it, the more you're going to learn to enjoy it, the more it's going to become a language that your body starts to understand. And it's the same with your wife. Like, you know, another thing I, I think of, and maybe you might have some insight on this, is when a man's been doing something for so long 
And then he has a sudden change and the wife is like pulled in. Oh, this is amazing. I love this. Then there's that protective mode that kind of comes up and she's like, wait a minute. I better keep that guy at an arm's length because he's going to hurt me again. He's going to go back to his old ways. And that's where I see a lot of that friction of like, mm, I don't believe you. And, and I, you know, I just tell guys like, just keep going, prove them wrong, but you got a lot to overcome, a lot of history to overcome. And let's make sure this isn't there. Sheena understands this isn't a fluke. Do you feel like that was kind of that process, that, that careful process, or was it just a changing of how everything functioned in the home or both? I, I think it was both. And, and I would also say, because I did still screw up. Oh, yeah. So, th so she had, you know, there was reason for her to be cautiously optimistic and uh, cautiously giving over, you know, the leadership role in the house to me, because even though there is a, a standard of how I should lead, I was still in that transition and learning what that meant. And this isn't an, an overnight process. I mean, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm, I'm still screwing up. I mean, just last week, I was trying to get out the door in the morning. I was, I coached a 6 a.m. jujitsu class and my professor was going to be there because we had a promotion and I was trying to get out the door and she was trying to help get my lunch together. And it wasn't in a, in an ugly tone whatsoever, but as I was trying to get out the door, I said, if you could just move, I could get a, And, but without even thinking, and I, you know, halfway through the day, I'm like, holy crap. I literally just said that to my wife this morning. So I shot her a video and, you know, and said, hey, I own this. I, I don't know if you took it. I don't know how you took it, but I know how it rings in my head. And, and it sounds awful. Like, I just, like, it's one of those times in the pit of my stomach. I'm like, that was just wrong. So... I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And, you know, shut it off. And she didn't take it bad, you know, but still it was, it was one of those things like at my core, I knew that was not a kind thing to say to your wife first thing in the morning. So well, I'm let, still screwing up. Yeah. But let me, let me differentiate. And you know, this, let me differentiate that from typical one. You had the self-reflection to see that you messed up and that it was perceived probably different than you really felt at the heart. So two right. big step ups. Three, you not only admitted, hey, I realize how this came off. It wasn't what my intention. Please forgive me. Four, you shot a video of yourself with that. You didn't wait till you got home so everything confessed her and stew. You did it and you were action. I think there's like four get takeaways right there that probably daily every single guy. If you're not screwing right. up daily as a man, I, you're a different breed, but <laughs> like literally daily, every guy could use like be introspective, understand and look back at how you're acting through your day with your wife, your employees, your children, but look at it and see where you messed up, admit it, make, take the action, ask for forgiveness, move forward. That's really cool. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So going back to even when we had our, rough patch where we were only communicating via text you can still read tone into text so even though i was you know just kind of stone-faced texting 
there's no way for me to know how the tone she was reading into it from her end. So you juxtapose that to I would much rather either have a face to face conversation with someone or at least a video or yeah, video or a voice memo. Those two, I, I, I like being able to project the tone to people so they know my heart. I don't like being and my words being misconstrued or someone else reading tone into like, I think my wife quotes Brene Brown all the time, clear as kind. So the clearest way to communicate is in wholeness, which is them hearing the word, not just seeing the words that you're saying, but hearing the words that you're saying. And like I go a step further, like I preview the video that I shot to make sure that, okay, I think this is like, there's my facial features may say something that I don't realize and, and, and a voice memo is, is fine. But when you're sending a video, I want to make sure that even my facial expressions are coming across in a loving manner to, you know, to my wife. Yeah. I think there's a lot to learn on that. The, the previewing, that's why um, one really good technique is when you go to text, don't put the recipient in the text bar until you've typed everything you've wanted to type. You've read through it because if you have to go back and put the recipient, there's a reminder right then and there of like, oh, wait, I really should double check that for in, like inflection that you can't have when you're writing. But how right. people might read that, right? Because we're always going to read it the way we think it sounds. But I, I like the voice uh, or video better because there is inflection. There's facial expression. But yeah, if you leave that, if you leave that two area blank on an email or text, and then do that later, you're more likely to review what you've done. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I'll do that sometimes. Mostly when I'm upset at someone, I'll write it all out and I'll read it and be like, yeah, I don't need to say any of this, this is dumb. I'll just send them a right. text, say, hey, bro, I'm sorry I was such a jerk and move on, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many 100%. times I've done that. It's like, oh, I got my thoughts off my mind. I, I was going to be an idiot. <laughs> how many do? How many times do guys do that, right? <laughs> like, yes. oh, what was I thinking? So you had men come into your life that made a difference. And absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and you've been married 29 years. I've been, I'm going on 28. You know, I feel like we've, we are in a, and I'm sure the guys at 40 years are, are saying the same thing to us, but we're in a different field where we've played this game. We've, we've won many, 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 we're here. So we've won a battle every day against, you know, the enemy that wants us not to be married, wants us to be discontent. And we've failed, lost so many times daily, probably. But I feel like if you're going to take marriage advice, it's going to be from somebody who's been doing it and has a successful marriage and been doing it for 20 plus years. That's just my, like, I, it's like I'm a litmus test. I think there's ways around this, but what is like some of your top like marriage advice when, because you know, you come, you come from a home where you, you learn to be passive and now you're talking about being the leader. So you kind of been through it all. So I'd love to hear some of your top your top pieces of advice for men. I would say as hard as it is, and as many excuses as there are, and there are many, if you are not having a weekly date with your wife, you are failing your wife. Mm -hmm. You're failing your marriage. And and I think we I say we because I fell into the same trap of thinking that 
this date has to be a night out, which means you have to line up a babysitter. You got to have reservations at a nice restaurant, you know, you know, flowers, candy. All that is great. And, and I'm not saying to not do that, but don't let that be an excuse not to do something if that's not feasible for you. If you've got five kids and, and it's a hundred bucks in babysitting before you walk out the door, then date nights are going to be hard, mm-hmm. can be hard. But what my wife and I have been doing for the past five or six years probably is morning dates. Like we are up before our kids ever think about getting up. And when, when all three were still in the house, we would leave the house and be at the front door of Panera at 6 a.m. when they opened the door and we'd get a coffee and a bagel and we would sit for an hour. From there, we would drive two cars. I'd head to work and she'd head back home. Hmm. That was that was an hour every morning that we had. Uh, I, and my oldest was probably 13, 14, so we could leave them to sleep at home. It was no big deal. The last two or three years with my young hero being the only one at home, We've done breakfast mornings here, but that is even as special because I've gotten to where I'm not a big as coffee geek as some people, but I love me a good pour over. And so we'll get up, you know, my wait time is, you know, 415. So we do our, some of our own morning routine stuff, but we're on the couch with, and I make her a special coffee at 6 a.m., and for the next hour, we're just, it's just she and I, and we're just sitting across from one another face to face, just having conversation. That's every Friday morning. That's uh, awesome. That is a, our standing morning weekly date. And then I, we mix in the, the other nicer ones, you know, once a month or so. That's incredible. So many guys find excuses they can't do dates. And that's, that's a hard one to say you can't do. <laughs> I mean, it, it yeah. really comes down to, are you willing to wake up? Are you willing to put in the work? Because money, the money excuse is gone. The babysitting excuse is gone. The time excuse is gone. And so uh, I've never had anybody share that one. Uh, a lot of people will talk about the, the money being a problem. You know, by the time we pay a, a babysitter, you know, we can't go to dinner. And I'm like, well, can you afford the babysitter without the dinner? Yeah. Okay. Well, who, whoever said you had to do dinner or pay for something. My wife and I get a kick out of going to a parking lot that there's not a lot of people and just sitting in the car and talking. There's no distractions. Like right. open the sunroof and look at the mirror or the, the stars or drive somewhere where you can sit up on a mountain, watch the stars, whatever it is, right? And so it, it's like I tell guys, when you were in high school and you were dating, you, you got pretty freaking creative about how you're gonna spend time with that gal. And it wasn't always sitting at a dinner table being served. Yeah. So what's different now? <laughs> but I love the house, the the morning one. I I thank you. I have never heard that. So we got dating. Yeah. Give us one more thing that you find to be a game changer in marriages. Well, again, for us, and and it really you for us, you can replace dating with connection or communication. And because that's that's really what that hour is. Mm-hmm. It's just an hour for us to connect and communicate. So Figuring out the best way, and it's trial and error, for you to communicate with one another. And whatever that looks like. I know I know some couples who use Marco Polo. 
you know, video app where you're just sending videos back and forth. Some people it's texting, some people it, it it's all communication, but it, it is all intentional. And we are at a point where like, I know it's maybe, maybe a cliche, but my wife really is my best friend. And I feel like I've been like, if something, even though we protect that Friday morning at all costs, there's still some, sometimes that just rarely that it doesn't happen. And I really feel cheated. Like I'm going to do everything I can to like carry that over to Saturday morning. Like we're just going to do a reset and it's not going to not get done. So because we put that much value in communicating, there's so much going on, but she started a school two years ago. So, so she has, so she's a school owner uh, at, you know, later in, you know, I, I'm, I'm 53 and she's 29, but she right, graduated a year after, she graduated a year after me. <laughs> uh, so, so, so she did, you know, so she has that going on. I've got a full-time job. Plus, you know, we're both in Apogee, which is almost like a full-time job. If you know, my son is in sports, I'm coaching mornings and at night. Like, so between, it, it, it takes an intentional level of communication to keep all that straight. So we have a weekly Sunday afternoon meeting, family meeting, where we go over the calendar for the next week. And that, and actually Beckett, my 13 year old, he runs that meeting. That's part of his Apogee program. Like he, he runs the meeting, he asks the questions and my wife and I just, you know, share everything that's on the calendar, but, but he takes an, an active role in that. So I would say the communication for us is just, it, that is just under the, the family value of, or value of family as a whole. It's just like, how well can we communicate so that we're sharing as much of life together as possible? And it's not just, it's, it's more than schedules. It's what's happening in our day. It's, it's choosing to sit around a dinner table and have those conversations versus sitting in the living room and you know, watching 20 minutes of a movie and, and zero conversation going on, which you know, may happen, you know, on a Saturday or something, but during the week, we, we partake that family time as well, you know, right around a dinner table. That's amazing. We, when our oldest was in the household, we would do family meetings. They're not as, they're not as structured now when we had four in the house. Now we have, you know, just our, our youngest and, but we always review everything on Sunday. What's going on? What's happening? Where do you need support? What's, what are, what are the plans? Here's what we're doing. It's a game changer because one, we're modeling communication at a at, at a very high level for our kids too. Like yes, yeah. And um, you know, what's what are you frustrated about? What kind of things do we need to discuss? And I I grew up with that, which was quite interesting. Except for we would only have family meetings when everything was about to hit the fan, <laughs> right? Instead of being <laughs> proactive, right? It's like, all right, let's get together. It's like, oh boy, here we go. So. Um, Man, those are amazing. I don't, I, we're almost out of time, but I want to leave enough time for two conversations. One being okay. Apogee Man. Apogee's kind of gone through a couple different iterations of naming, so I don't want to name it wrong. But Matt, is it Boudreaux? 
Um, Baudreau. Yep. Baudreau. And then, um, oh, who, who's, who's he partnering with? Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy. And there's some really cool things they're doing. There's some doing, they're, they're starting some schools. Like this is, the future is bright for what they're putting together. Like Matt and I both have a education background, so we could nerd out on that for hours and hours and hours. And, um, but what, what drew you to that program and, um, and, you know, talk about it, whatever you want, but I know it's been pivotal for you. Sure. So after I had, um, Nick Teske, who mentored me through the Wild at Heart. Then I had a co-worker for five years, mentored me, a spiritual mentor for me. Uh, he left there and went into went went to seminary mm. and was full-time pastoring at that point. So he kind of, you know, jumped ship on me, which I, you know, still haven't forgiven him for. Uh, so after those two mentors, then I went through a, a so that was 2004, and that was the same time my same then the same month as my dad passing and Charles left and went to seminary, like that was a a dry spell for me where I did, really didn't have any mentors. I started man, probably four or five years later is when I started like speaking into other men. But I had been praying since then for a mentor to come into my life. Like really someone who could mentor me well into my years. So I was looking for someone older than me. I didn't know what it looked like. And and actually I heard Matt on Ryan Mickler's Order of Man podcast. And he started talking about Apogee. So I went down that rabbit trail and I'm like, this could be the chance that I don't need to pass up. And honestly, I wavered back and forth for a month and a half, two months. And I'm just like, screw it. And I signed up and have not regretted it since. Because it is, it's a 12-month it's a program. And I finished that 12 months in, on December 31st. And I have now enrolled in Apogee Man year two. Wow. So they okay. actually, but, and we didn't even realize this, finishing up year one, that they had built out material for a year two program. My idea was I was just going to, not re-enroll, but just roll over and do your, because there are so many challenges within that month. Some some months, there are so many challenges, there's no way to complete everything. Mm. So I was going to roll over, and I was just going to redo year one. But there's there's a path to being an Apogee affiliate coach, and that's the path that I'm on, because I really want to, I mean, I, I've already been coaching men, but I want to do it in a, in a more structured way. And so the path to being an affiliate coach is you had to enroll in year two. And so I'm gotcha. today is the last day of month one, and it is infinitely more intense than, than, than year one. And I'm loving every minute of it. The reason I asked you to be on the podcast, well, one, you reached out to me, right? And, but yeah. that was just so we could talk, but I felt a really strong, connection for a very specific reason. One, we have very similar values and we've both been married long enough. We we both understand the importance of some very bedrock, basic things that guys aren't doing that are not basic, they're big. Uh, so that spoke to me, similar um, visions. The other one was the fact that you were mentoring men and moving into this coaching thing because people, because of the podcast, reach out to me and they ask for me 
to coach them. They ask, they ask, I need, I need a mentor. And for me, I'll do that. And I, I do that, but I'm, I have out of bandwidth. And right. so there's like, yeah, one person might like move on. And then I got, might have space, but I just had a gentleman who I've been working with for maybe a year. I had to tell him I, I, I gotta, it, I gotta take a two month break. I, I have no time and I'm really sorry. And that's a really difficult place to be in when someone's, you know, going through growth trajectory and, and things happen and I want to give the best. And so the, that's one reason I wanted to have you on here. I knew that this was something that you thought about and you'd kind of done unstructured just on, on your own. And right. I felt like, and this, this is a compliment to you and not a sales pitch to anybody else. I felt like if there was someone who was very similar to the approach I was taking, it was definitely you. It's a, for you're more badass, you're brown belt and BJJ and <laughs> been married two years longer, a year and a half longer. But uh, that that's why I wanted to have you on here. I wanted to hear from you. I wanted to hear your story. And I wanted guys to, you know, if they're, if they're needing that, and if they even thought about reaching out to me, please still do, but there's a backup plan. And for me that, and, and then you don't have to be a backup plan for somebody, but for me to have a backup plan is really important. So what is your goal? I mean, you, you, you're, you're stepping into Apogee man year two. It's all based around this coaching thing. I don't think you're waiting to finish that to take men on in your red point project. No, no, okay. I'm not at all. Uh, if there are men and circling back to your question earlier, how did I find, you know, men, it, I don't know that I particularly prescribe to the same when the student is ready, the teacher will appear it, that, that can happen, but you, I think you do have to be looking. Someone has to be, there, there's a level of self-awareness that men need to have in order to recognize that they're not where they are want to be and have some kind of a vision moving forward. And I, you know, there, there's a gap there. I used yeah. to call it like, like gap coaching. Like you recognize where you are, you see where you want to go, or you think you know where you want to go and you need a bridge to, to cover that gap. And I think that's what coaches, mentors, I, I think I see that as what their role is and do it not by giving answers, but by asking good questions. Yeah. Because I can't, I don't know everyone's situation. I don't know, I don't know what you're, what you're going through, what your wife's going through, how all those dynamics work, but I can ask questions so that you can go to battle with your own thoughts and try to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, I think if someone's if if there's a man out there that's looking for a magic bullet or or some or a guru to tell them, you know, the exact plan, they're they're going to be disappointed, mm-hmm. or they're going to get or just going to get taken because that I don't know that that's that's the best path for them. And that's kind of what I saw is that this is a lot more about a process than it is about the answers, and. I learned that lesson when the co-founder of Brotherhood of Fatherhood and I were kind of rising together and and call having calls every day. I I could stop. I'm like, man, I feel so much better after that call. And what did he do? He just would ask if one thing came up, he'd start asking questions and he'd just keep mm. asking and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I know the answer. Oh, this is cool. 
And he had said nothing about what the answer was. Nothing. Right. And that takes a lot of, it takes a lot of skill, something I'm still really trying to work on and get better at, but it is, that is what you want to find. And the gap coaching, I love that. They're like where you are to where you want to be. I've never thought of it that way. And I think that's a, a brilliant way to kind of explain kind of what you do. I love that. I love that. You and I have a lot of, uh, I don't do B- BJJ. I've tried and the rest are just physical excuses. So I won't even go there. Rucking. I love rucking. Where do you live again? I'm in, I guess, I guess the Georgia. So you got woods. Uh, I have woods near me. Okay. Um, really it's a lot of asphalt rucking, unfortunately. Yeah. Same here. Uh, okay. Until I get, uh, we do, my wife's family has a house up in Montreat, North Carolina. So up, up near Asheville. Oh, nice. So now that's when the real, I love being immersed in nature. I, I always tell people, I love standing at the base of a mountain, just the biggest I can find because I like feeling small. Like hey. I, I love being in the enormity of God's creation and how he, everything that he created and how small I am compared to, you know, everything that he did create. Not, I mean, I'm, I'm feel like I'm more important than, than that, but, you know, on, on, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's, I, I do. Mean, there's, there, there's something that's just, and I, and I love, like, that's the first piece of gratitude that I have when I find myself in that type of situation of man, like, Look at, look at this creation. Yeah. Uh, that really resonates with me. When I'm standing, you know, I'm from Oregon and it's old growth forest. A lot of it burned down a couple summers ago, but I loved mountain biking and hiking and I get next to just this massive tree, like this tree. Mm. And it, it, I never identified that I felt small, but it was seriously like the miracle of this thing alone. That's who, not, you know, it's 10 times wider than me. Right. And it's been here for so long. And and how minuscule I am compared to these things around me and what it 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 puts me in this completely different place. It is absolutely uh my very favorite thing to do is to be out in nature. And uh I love I love mountains. I love mountains so much. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I I could I could go on an hour podcast about being outside. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot in common. I ha- I have played pickleball. That's one of the things you like to do. I have uh, I have not spent a lot of time playing pickleball. So I haven't decided I want because I love rocking and hiking and that I haven't decided I want to dis- to to push time into that. But when I have played yeah. it, it's with my wife and boys and that was yes. really fun. And that's exactly why I play it's not, I mean, I would, I played some recreational tennis in college, but I play pickleball because that is a sport that my wife can do with me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do jujitsu. She, if I have a ruck on my back, she can, she can outpace me. Like I'm having to do a, you know, the, the rucking shuffle to keep up with her. So we can do that together. But the pickleball is like an actual sport that she loves to play. And I do it because she likes to do it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So so many men will try and push their whim, their wives or girlfriends or whatever into the sport they're doing. I'm like, hey, you know, have you ever thought of maybe figuring out what she wants to do and and picking up on that? Uh, you know, right. it's a two way street. 
uh, instead of buying your wife a rock pack, <laughs> <laughs> like just start walking with her and then maybe you, you buy her or if she plays pickleball, buy yourself a pickleball paddle, go play. <laughs> That's exactly. really good advice. It's really good yes, advice. Sir. It's a great sport for like that pace. The, it, it almost is like the great equalizer. Quite honestly, that sport is yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it was been it's been fun, David, to, to spend time with you. Thank you so much. And with the audience doesn't know, this is your first guest as a podcast. You did amazingly well. You spoke from the heart. Well, thank you. you there were some major gems you dropped in there. So, guys, I hope you, I hope you heard what was being said. Uh, we'll drop David's contact in the the show notes because I really seriously, and I know I've done this a lot, but I, I do put my stamp of approval on on his like mentor coaching gap coaching that he does. And I can personally attest to the guys that come out of the Apogee man program. I know a few of them, they are top notch. They're yeah. top notch. It's, it is, it, it's, an I heard you, I listened to your cool podcast program. with Guillermo with G. Yeah. That was a great podcast. And, and I know Christian hasn't been on yet, but is this Christian Mandela you're referring to? Uh, so Christian's one. Yes. Yep. And Christian's, I've known him for probably two years, maybe a year and a half, two years. He's in, he is a, he's, he's into things when he gets yes, it. Okay. He is into Apogee, man. And I know he's probably going to do some big things in there. So they're all, they're all great, man. Yeah. I, I love being Nick's a part of that brotherhood. Next level caliber on, on that group for sure. So yep. you're, you're, you're walking in, in line with men that wear great boots. So you do too. David, thank you so much. Again, guys, redpointproject.com is where you can find him or at Dave D Wells 706. Again, this will be in the show notes. It's D Wells yep. at 706 for IG and redpointproject.com. And again, for all the listeners, uh, this is my last episode for a bit. And so I don't want you to tune out. I want you to check maybe every couple of weeks. And then uh, if you catch in late, you can binge and we'll catch up. I think I have some new things coming. I think I have some new energy, some new things that I think everyone's going to be really excited about. David, thank you again very much. Scott, this was fun. I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.